Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Saying usually Labor Day is like a smaller crew, um, but we have air conditioning, so maybe that helps too. Um, so I was from the Inland Empire, and and that is a legit thing out there. Like. If we go to church, there is air conditioning there, and we don't have to pay for it. Um, so, uh, yeah. Verse, the perks, yes. <laughs> so, well done. What For either weather reason, whatever reason, we're glad you're here. Um, verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Uh, vessels came in a variety of materials, and they were used for a variety of different functions. So a vessel would be like a jar, something that can carry something, right? And so you'd use vessels as things you would eat from and drink from, but also to carry garbage and, you know, all kinds of other stuff, I'm sure you could imagine. Um, so there was different vessels for different purposes. And what the the purpose of that vessel is and the, the point of uh, how you use it often had to do with what it's made out of, right? So you wouldn't use a, uh, a golden vessel or a silver vessel as your giant trash can, you know? You wouldn't think like that. Like we have the plastic bins and trash cans and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to bedazzle it or anything like that or plate it in gold. You know, that would be like a pretty like, you know, that would be a move that says, you know, you're a real baller, I guess, if you have like a, a gold trash can. Um, but I don't see any purpose to that. So there was different vessels, different functions, uh, but it's all had to do with what they were made out of as to how that was applied, okay? So in a great house are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wooden clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Uh, this is speaking of those, actually it's speaking of those in and around the church. Matthew 13 talks about the wheat and the tares. Uh, they're all in there, but they're kind of can be mixed in. So we're going to be focusing on uh, becoming the vessels of honor, not dishonor, right? So some for honor, and the, the honor is really speaking about like value, uh, some, like, it becomes more valuable, right? These, these vessels that are made of gold and silver rather than dishonor of less value, not being used in the same manner or, or having the, the same value to a person and to a life, right? Um, so, there you go. Verse 21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So anyone cleanses himself is to be, this person will be sanctified or made holy, right? And, and we've spoken about this many times, but I, I, I love this picture and it made so much sense to me when I finally got it. Sanctified or holy means dedicated to God. That's what it means, is that we are dedicated to the Lord. And we use the example of the, these sanctified holy cups and holy plates that were used in the different feasts and different, different things. The cups that were set apart, sanctified uh, for the use in the tabernacle and the temple. What was it about these cups? Well, it was the fact that they were dedicated unto the Lord. They became holy, which means set apart, sanctified, set apart, dedicated unto something bigger than yourself. 
So the, the process of sanctification, becoming a vessel for honor, is becoming set apart from everything else, dedicated unto the Lord. And so that's really what we're going to be talking about this morning, is becoming dedicated unto the Lord and then becoming a vessel of honor that can be used for a greater purpose, right? Because we all are, we're useful for some purposes here and there, but we can all agree not, not all purposes are created equal. And God wants to have his people be set apart and established and sanctified and dedicated and built up so that our inner man is now made of a different kind of material and so that we can be used for a greater purpose and a greater cause for the Lord. This is talking about character. The building up of a man, the building up of a woman. Character. Character matters in the life of God. You know, you can get pretty far in life, uh, you know, in the worldly sense without character. In fact, sometimes not having character can be uh, an advantage because you can, you can take from people without feeling bad. You can make the hard decisions heartlessly. <laughs> but character in the kingdom of God is absolutely everything. You can have all the other signs, but without the character, we know what's on the inside there. And so this is speaking of going from becoming a vessel of the ladder, the wood, the clay, to becoming one of the, the greater vessels, gold, silver. So it will be a vessel for honor. So we dedicate our lives to God, making us useful for the master, ready and able to be put in the game at any time. Like, you know, because we're, we're ready for it. We're set apart. So then what does he say? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, that's the first part. If anyone cleanses himself, uh, that's clean out, like completely like uh, get rid of all the junk that's in there. If you can cleanse yourself from the inside, uh, we play, a, the important thing is we play a role in this. We actually play a role in this because it's like, oh, it's God's grace. I'll never do anything. I'll never be anything, all that. It is absolutely God's grace. There's no doubt about it, right? Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace. We cannot earn salvation. Works will never uh, earn us salvation uh, or better our position from sin to becoming to a relationship with Christ. You'll never get there by works, right? It's all by the grace of God and what was done on the cross, what Jesus did. But we uh, are also, we dedicate our lives to the Lord to fulfill the purpose that he's called us unto. Because at the very end there, he says, we have these works waiting for us that God has seen and, and prepared for us that we should walk in them. And so there is a process where we're involved in it. It's our effort with his calling uh, and grace that leads to our being set apart, being changed, being transformed from the inside out. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, it, it perfectly defines all of this. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Who what does it sound like? Who, who's doing that? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You or God? What does that sound like? Just listening to it. You. Right? 
My beloved, he's speaking to my beloved as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation, right? With fear and trembling. And then this, for it is God, verse 13, who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's God that's giving you the desire to do it and the will to do it and the ability to do it, but you have a process in working it out and allowing it to come to pass in your life. And we all know this is true, right? Otherwise, we blame God for all our laziness. God, I just don't understand why you won't get me up to read my Bible in the morning. I don't get it. I don't understand why you allow me to continue to be mean to people all the time and say horrible things. What is your deal with that? We all know we make decisions, right? It's God who's given us the will and to do. It's him that starts the whole process through justification. We cannot be justified by anything we do, but sanctification is a process of our works aligning with our new identity. The way we live matters. That's what the difference between a vessel of honor and the vessel of dishonor looks like. We dirty ourselves again. And in the baptism, we use a lot of imagery and pictures of, of chains being left behind in the water. I think it was Ryan that said, the old man is going out to sea. Right, Ryan? <laughs> he went in the water. He's like, the old man's out to sea. He's gone. New man coming up. Made new in Christ. Right? And so we now have that new identity, but this is now walking out that new identity. And now we are called to something much higher than what we were just existing in before. So that's why it, you'll, the, some of the most miserable Christians you meet are the ones that are saved and God works dramatically in their life, but they never progress in any way, shape, or form. Because they've decided they have, it's not quite important enough. Or sometimes it's bad theology. Like you think, oh, God will do it when he's ready to do it. No, you're part of the process. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But remember, it's God that's giving you the desire to do it. And he's the one that's going to give you the ability to do it. Which is great news. We're not alone. So if you have the desire to become more like Christ, God's already working in your life. Now you set your hand to the plow and start working towards that, all under the grace of God. This is not legalism. This is not a works-based thing, but it is letting it work out in our lives. And it's all over Scripture. And this, this practice, it's all over Scripture. And it's, it's so helpful for us to, to see it in light of this. Work out what he has put in you. And because, you know, if we go back, and I like to go back all the way to the garden, because I think that it's Genesis 1 and 2 and th 1 through 3 really explains so much of humanity. How did God set it all up? He wanted to do, uh, he wanted man to partner with him. So what does that mean? God is in communion with man and woman and he's got relationship with man and woman. And he desires that they are working alongside him in partnership with him. How did that work? Rule and subdue the land. Name the animals. Build. Work. Do things. You were literally created to partner with this. But it's going to be effort. It's good effort. We like effort. Right? When it's on our terms. Like it'll be like, you know, I haven't done this in a while, but I want to go on a mountain bike ride. Mountain biking is exhausting. I don't want to go right now. No one does. I mean, this is this weather, man. I spoke at the packing house on Wednesday night, so I'm going to make you feel a little bit better about yourself, okay? 
uh, out in Redlands, and um, I took a picture. It's the time was 6:11 at night, and it says 110 degrees. So you know we're doing okay, but it's a dry heat out there. You don't, you know, it's just a dry heat. You know, no big deal. But we, there's a lot of effort involved. Some of the, the best things in life take effort, right? And so we, we remember that, and we are part of that, what God is doing. So how do we do this? How do we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, allowing God to do the things he wants to do in our lives? Um, also, side note, I think that part of God wanting us uh, to the will to do these things is a good sign that God is working in your life. Even if you find yourself kind of trapped in sin or stuck in sin, do you like it? Are you okay with it? Are you like, are you, is it like, I'm, I've already made peace with it, I'm good? Or does it still grieve you and bother you? I'd say that's the God giving you the will to do something else. He's working inside of you to, that this is not where you belong. Be careful, you stay there too long, it becomes more part of who you are. And I think, honestly, there's a part of hell that is a, a bunch of people who have decided for themselves, I've got this. And now, I mean, think about like Lazarus, right? And the rich man, you get this glimpse of it. And he's like still bossing Lazarus around, right? Give, come bring me water. You know, it's like, it's like you, you and your decided position. Uh, and I think that's what's interesting. I was talking to a pastor friend, and I think we sometimes think that hell in some sense is like people are in a repentant position. I think that that potentially could be the case, but it's also a, a part of it where we experience hell when we just choose that we're going to do what we're going to do, and we stop feeling bad about it. So you got to be really, really careful that God is willing and working in our lives uh, to, to grab us and to pull us out of where we were at before and to give us a whole new thing. So we want to listen to that and be obedient to that. That's God's moving in our lives because he doesn't want us to keep us in this place where we were about common things. That's the idea. Wood and clay is common. Don't call common what I've, what, what I've called, I've made new. You know, don't call normal or whatever, just like go with the flow, what I've brought into new life and, and transformed by the power of the gospel and the, and the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's what we become. How do we do this? Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and those who call on the name or call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. So how do we do this? We flee youthful lusts. It's important to understand uh, youthful lusts are not just for the young. In fact, some of the best examples of people following Jesus are young people. Joseph, and I think this is actually a reference to Joseph, flee youthful lusts, run away, right? Remember the situation with Potiphar's wife? He ran away. As she's trying to seduce him and bring him in, he's like, I am not sinning against you, uh, my master, and God, meaning your husband and God. I'm not doing it. Or Daniel, right? Young man, would not bow to the powers that be, was willing to be thrown into the lion's den. So it's not just young. David made his biggest mistakes later in life, right? And so we, we have examples of it's not just, so you're like, yeah, these youth today. It's like, yeah, well, we all do youthful things sometimes in a bad sense. So flee youthful lusts, right? 
the fleeting passions. That's the idea. Youthful lust is like fleeting passions where you're driven by your passions. Where everything, you, you, you kind of get a, a taste where you have to have it. You know, oh, I, I, I see it, I saw it, and I had to have it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop myself from receiving or, or getting anything. I want it all. And this is very much where our culture is right now. Who is anyone to tell you what you can and can't have? You, you deserve everything. There's nothing off the table. Well, what's interesting about that is uh, the fruits of this are yet to come. And I, uh, but if we're to look back in history, we can already see where this goes, and it's not good, right? So we are looking to the Lord, and we're, we're, we're okay, God, where do you want to take us? How do you want to take us? And then we're, we're fleeing from everything else that would take us back, drag us back into the pit, uh, and that would cause our, our growth to be stumbled. So flee youthful lusts, but pursue. So we're to flee lusts or desires, sinful desires, fleeting desires, and pursue, pursue righteousness. So you're fleeing one, you're running away from run, one, and you're running to the other. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So avoid, reject, refuse uh, the, these, the youthful lusts or these passions and pursue uh, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We've been going through um, the fruits of the Spirit with the youth group. We've been talking about that, you know, all the different fruits of the Spirit, how they manifest themselves. And we take each week, we'll go through one, and we'll kind of get a bunch of verses to kind of outline it. But this is what we pursue. This is what we say, God, we want to experience this. And there's so much benefit to having these things rule our lives as opposed to constantly being um, enslaved to every whim, every, you know, desire, every little urge that we have, you know animal animal like stuff but discipline keeps us away from that and how, lets us pursue something much much deeper so we we are uh, to do that right to pers- flee lust pursue righteousness faith love peace with those who call on the lord out of a pure heart what does this say we're doing it together uh, that's why community is really important Having conversations with people, I was like I said, I was hanging out with my pastor friend yesterday, Aaron. He's on the board, and he's from the old church. I, he was my old boss, and we were he was down here at the beach, and we were just having just great conversations. And I'm like, this is just so valuable, man. This is so good. I'm so we're building each other up, and we're kind of going off of stuff. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's I can't imagine doing all this alone. People speak into your life, and many of you do it. Speak into your life, and and it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't even see that. God uses, he speaks in all kinds of different ways, right? He can speak to us primarily, I think he speaks to us out of his word. He can speak to us in prayer. He can speak to us through other random people. He often also speaks through those in the body who are involved in our lives in community. So well done, you're here. You get to be a part of that process, and I love that. Right, So we do it together, especially as we're doing and serving with a pure heart to become more like God. We are seeing God changing us, and we're pursuing on the same path together. We're running the same race at a similar pace. 
Let's go together, guys. So that's the idea of Wednesday, guys, if you can make it, come at 6.30. It'll probably be about an hour. It's supposed to be before most people's work. Ladies, same thing. 10 o'clock, come on down. Be a part of it. Jump in with other people who are like-minded, right? And they're seeking to follow God. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Um, so avoid is to, the, the Greek word it means like reject, refuse. Reject or refuse. Ignorant, which uh, the word ignorant means uninstructed disputes. Literally foolish disputes. Avoid these dumb disputes that have no grounds in reality, but you like to fight. Does anybody in here just kind of like to fight? Can we be honest? So I like kind of like it <laughs> sometimes. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm like in my flesh, it's like kind of like somebody, everybody will be on one side and I'll be like, I don't even believe this other side, but I kind of want to cause trouble right now. And so let's just see how good I am at arguing something I don't even really believe in. And then at the end of it, I'll change my mind and I'll tell everyone I don't actually believe that. We're all sharpened by that, right? Let's try and make it holy if we can. No, but that's just it. We're like to avoid foolish and ignorance disputes. I say that it's more in joking stuff, but not. This kind of stuff is what tears churches apart. The denominations we have are, I mean, it is large. How many denominations? Many denominations call every other denomination no good. Oh, don't go to that church. Why do they not believe that Jesus rose from the dead? I, th I think they do believe that. And I believe that, you know, he died on the cross for your sins. You know? Yeah, they believe that one. They believe in the inspired word of God. Yep, they believe in that too. They have a little bit of a different view, though, on eschatology. Let's bail on them. Like, no, you don't want anything to have to do with them. Or, or they, you know, whatever. They believe gifts are for day. They, all these different things, right, that can divide us. And by the way, maybe it's... It's okay. I think you should go to a church where you align with the, the, the uh, you know, the teaching as much as possible. You know, you're never going to fully align with it because even I disagree with myself often, you know. It's like, I kind of wish I could have redone that one. <laughs> I think I've changed my, anyway. So we, we, we're constantly in a state of, you know, okay, whatever. I can, we're, we're, we can roll with this together as a community. Uh, but there's so many disputes that are foolish that make no sense, Right? And so we're to reject and refuse and avoid these things. Uninformed disputes, they're good for absolutely nothing. All they do is generate strife, but people like strife, right? So what are we called to do? Grow up. Grow up. Don't flee youthful stuff anymore. Grow up. Become a man. Become a woman of God. And I think we really need to understand this because I think sometimes we think as long as we're the, what we're saying is true, it doesn't matter how we say it. We've got to be really careful about that. It's the truth in love. Being a jerk is being a jerk no matter how noble you think your cause is, right? So we're part of growing up is, is what we're mentioned multiple times in the Bible from going from milk to meat. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are not still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are, listen to this, where there are envy 
strife and divisions among you? Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, another, I'm of Paulus, are you not carnal? So here's the deal. Pride produces this strife and divisions. And he says, it's a telltale sign. Like the fruits of the Spirit are a sign that the Spirit is working inside of you, that you've been rooted and grounded in the Lord, that you're growing and there's something powerfully happening and coming out of you. These are a sign that you're carnal. What does carnal mean? You're still living like you're in the world. You might be saved by the blood of Jesus, but it's had no effect on your life other than, you know, you might have gotten some fire insurance. And a lot of people, for a long time, that was actually the selling point. Come to Jesus, you know, so you don't go to hell when you die. I think it's way bigger than that. I think if we think of it like that, then we really don't understand how good God is. He doesn't just want to save us from hell, which I think is it's a good reason. I mean, obviously, we don't want that. But he wants to save us from hell now, which is separation from God. He wants us to be in this restored relationship with him now, where we can experience this now. There goes the umbrella. It was windy. Sorry, guys. I'm distracted. <laughs> Bye. It's like Mary Poppins. See ya. So if you're behaving like this and you're doing these carnal, you know, divisive, uh, envy, strife, all that, it's speaking of your carnality. You can't receive the meat. You're still in the milk. Another, another verse, Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. What's interesting, I think, about this is a lot of people uh, who are in this position actually think they have a lot to teach. (laughs) I don't think it's the fact that they don't think they have something to teach. They think they have a lot to teach, but Paul says you need to be reminded of the first things. You need to be brought back to the first things, these important things, uh, because you still haven't gotten that down. So God's looking across humanity and he's looking at the work he's doing in the church as, as a whole, as at large, and he's looking for people who aren't still on the milk. Think, think about that. You know, what if it's like, oh, it's lunchtime and you just pull out, you got some like, you know, formula, baby formula in the workroom and you're just like shaking it up. Man, this today has been hard. You know, you kind of warm it up in the microwave. You test it. Is this too cold? Is this too hot? You know? And you just start drinking it down. You're like, what are you doing, man? It's like, ah, lunch. I'm sorry. (laughs) What? You know we have a shortage. This is for babies, you know, not for you. But you have this, this, it's like this image. It's, It's ridiculous. But that's kind of the point. A lot of times we just don't progress. We don't go further. And God's like, I want you to taste so much more than that. I want you to experience so much more than that, right? So what's one of the things you do with a baby, especially their first birthday, right? What, you have a big party, everybody comes around, the baby has no clue what's going on, first birthday. They're just like, hi, everyone. They're like, it's your birthday. They're like, cool. Never had one of these before, I mean, except for the actual birthday. 
and all of a sudden everyone surrounds them, and what do they put in front of the baby? Anybody? A cake. Way too big of a cake, always, because that baby's going to ruin it for everybody else, you know? Give them a small one, okay? You bring the cake in front of the baby, and they're like, look at it, and they're one-year-old or whatever. I don't want to offend any babies out there. Um, one-year-old, pre-toddler. Um, and they're sitting there, and they're looking at it, and they're like, I don't know what this is. I've seen it at many birthdays. They're looking at it, and they're like, eat it, eat it. And they're like, no clue. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. And so somebody inevitably will try to hook their children on sugar uh, at one. And so they put their finger in it, and they, like, try it. And they put it, and they're like, no, no, no. And they taste it, and they go, Poof. all of a sudden, they're, like, booted up. And, and what that means is that a much more of that cake will be eaten like this. You know, right? And then there's going to be a pretty bad crash a little later and a much-needed nap for both the parents and the child. But it's like, it's wild. I mean, so we have three kids. I remember for the first time introducing food to them, and you find out they like it or not, right? But they taste it, and they're like, whoa, what was that? And that was an avocado. Whew, that's intense flavor. Not really. It's actually pretty mellow. Just wait. And they get to experience more and more of this. You know, I remember one time, you know, our, our friends were saying that their, their son was like dying to eat the hot sauce. He kept reaching for it. Give it to me. He's like, fine. Puts a little down Tabasco or whatever. Boom. Woo! Lit up. You know, no longer grabbing for things. I've learned a new lesson. I don't think I do need that, Dad. And I think you're smart and wise. I'll remember this my whole life, hopefully. But we don't want to be stuck on the milk. We want to get on the meat, right? There's nothing like good meat. If you're vegetarian, I'm sorry. But a good medium rare ribeye, you know? Ooh, so good. You guys hungry right now? I am. But that's, there's nothing like that. And you can't imagine going back. That's one of the biggest disappointments in getting older is you eat the foods you used to eat when you were younger. And they're like, they used to be so much better. It's because you've progressed, and now you desire better things that have more complex flavors, right? And so it's like chicken nuggets with nothing on them that, that's like, okay, cool, I guess, you know? Or dipping it in ketchup, no thank you, you know? We could do better. Chick-fil-A sauce exists. So we move from milk to meat, that's what we, as we're doing that, then all of a sudden we become much more kind and charitable in how we live our life. So we're uh, experiencing, uh, and as we experience that, we are changed. And all of a sudden milk, it had a valuable purpose at the early stages, but now we're part of something much bigger and much greater, right? We're experiencing something a lot more that can really feed us and give us the protein we need, and we won't be anemic, and we won't be, you know, we're going to be needing what we, we're going to eat. Like, we need to eat. Verse 24, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So let go of endless disputes. Let go of, of all this extra arguing for no reason of just you wanting to be right. 
and speak to what really matters. A servant of the Lord is one that doesn't quarrel about dumb things, but is gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those in opposition. It doesn't mean they don't address problems. It could be really clear about this. It doesn't mean they don't address issues in culture. We are absolutely supposed to stand in the gap and be those who are speaking to people truth. But how we do it really, really matters. Really matters. So we're to know what we believe and to speak that in kindness, with kindness. Right? To speak that with gentleness. To teach that and speak that with patience. I listened to this uh, podcast um, it's a Biola podcast, and it's um, Think Biblically. It has uh, Sean McDowell on it. You guys know Josh McDowell, more than a carpenter. He was like the, it's one of the most influential apologetic books uh, ever written. And his son, Sean McDowell, is followed in line, and he's got his doctorate in, I think, theology, and he's, he's a really sharp guy, and he's really good at addressing issues in the culture. He'll even bring people on a show that he dramatically disagrees with like like big time and he'll bring them on with the you know setting it up beforehand we're going to be really kind to each other here we're not going to be uh we're not going to turn this into a shouting match we're going to be as he uses the words to be charitable and winsome and kind in the way we're talking his whole thing is being winsome like you might have heard me say that before you're winning those around you right? Because people, when they're, when they're rude, hardly, and when does people get won over by that? And so I listened to him do an interview where he was going back and forth with, I think I've mentioned it before, a progressive pastor, and the guys, things the guys believed was just insane, but Sean was so kind to him, and so patient with him, and he absolutely did not shy away from the issues. He hit him head on, and he spoke very clearly, very directly, did not back down one bit but did it in kindness so they could both go away and we could all the listeners listen and going, I'm not frustrated by this. I actually know what both people believe more and I'm really even more like understand why I believe this. But that's how we address culture. And, and it's amazing to see even people on the outside who disagree go, wow, that was a really cool way to say that. That was a really good way to have that conversation or that discussion where you disagree and something needs to be dealt with, correcting those who are in opposition. He's correcting them with biblical grounds, with not, not pulling any punches, but doing it in a really kind way. You guys know the world we're living in right now is insanely polarized. And so this is why we need to be able to somehow meet people and speak to the person not just the big issue because what we're dealing with is if we know anything about uh warfare in the bible it's spiritual warfare right the weapons of our flesh are spiritual i mean the weapons of uh, are uh, the weapons of spiritual warfare are not fleshly or of the flesh but they're spiritual right? So we use spiritual weapons to fight against all these issues we see going around us because it's a spiritual problem. How do you reach people though? You do it in, in, with gentleness, truth, and love in the way we do it. We do not pull any punches, but we speak the truth. How do we do that? We know the truth. I find that usually the people who yell the loudest know the least. 
because you're using emotion because you're scared of actually getting into the conversation, right? And you'll see that where someone will calmly be like, hey, can you just explain this to me? And they'll be like, you're that, name calling. You're like, no, can we please just have the conversation? You explain to me where you're coming from. Let me explain to you where I'm coming from. And let's talk about this in a, in a good way, positive way. I think this is a really, really important time because it's as we see, it's funny, as we see this ramping up and we go looking at the Bible and we're going, man, uh, I know what the Bible says about all this, but we forget what the Bible says about spiritual warfare. <laughs> and so we go, yeah, spiritual warfare, but this is turning into something a little more, so let's take it into the flesh zone. I think God needs a little flesh right here. And he's like, I, if I did, I would have asked you for that. I did not speak the truth in love. And so we're, he's very much against quarrels. He's very much against um, divisive envy, strife, all that stuff, right? Divisive speech, fighting just to fight. But he's absolutely for those teaching, being patient and humility, correcting those who don't see it right. Because at the end of the day, it's not just, well, you have, you have a truth and you have a truth. We do, that's not true. That can't work. There's got to be something bigger than that. And really what we're experiencing is an all-out assault on truth. But a conversation will at least illuminate it, and people can make their decision from there. That's the thing. A lot of times we still decide to do what's wrong because we want to. But bringing it to the light, why we think the things we think, why we know these things, the know, know the things we know, correcting those who are in opposition. And then here's the heart. Listen to the heart of this. If, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Patience. The last thing we just talked about was uh, with the youth group was long-suffering, patience. Patience has a huge, huge role in the life of a believer because if you lose patience, you start going for shortcuts, and that every time you see someone take a shortcut in the Bible, it goes really, really poorly. God says, didn't I tell you to do this? And you decided to do that. They're like, yeah, well, I didn't think you were going to do anything. So I decided to make my own way. Right? It's like Abraham. When is this baby coming? Tick, 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 tick. Like 90, 91, 90. Where's this kid coming from? 13, so maybe 87. I don't know. Old. And so, hey, God's not showing up. Let's figure out a plan B. That turned into a huge, huge mess. We're still experiencing it to some extent today. Um, but our short, the way we shortcut, no good, man. Patience, remembering, uh, to remember what, that God is faithful to complete his promises. And that it, it, there's always, the devil wants us to take the now and, and take the, the, what seems good or, or pleasurable for now in exchange for, for like actual good later. So we're letting go of all that patience. Um, you know, remembering we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're the instruments God chooses to use, right? Because it says there that God is used, uses, maybe God will use us to grant them repentance, to come to repentance, we are, maybe God is going to do that. So we're remembering, even as we're talking to people, it's God who changes lives. So what, what does that remind us of? To pray for people, 
definitely, but also to remain patient, you know, and to go, God, uh, I know you needed to be the one that told me because I wasn't hearing it from anyone else. I wasn't seeing it from anybody else. You had to be the one that did it. In that same way, you're going to have to do it. And they're like, where do we experience this the most? In our children. Get it. Come on, get it. Don't you get it? Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. And you're like, does that work? Did that work for you? So parents, pray for your children to get it, to understand, right? That God would open up their eyes. But then in the meantime, as we're working again in partnership with God, we're doing everything we can to help open their eyes too. God's using us as his vessels, as his hands, as his feet. So we stay receptive to his leading. We don't go rogue. The result we hope and pray for is a changed heart and a changed mind. Let me also say this. If you are getting into discussions with people to be right and to make them feel wrong, no. I don't think God honors that in the sense of to see a life changed and transformed. I do want you to see that you're wrong, but not so that I feel high and mighty and you feel bad, but so that you can see the truth for yourself and you can experience it like I have. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.